Blue Jay bats have come alive. The Jays are wind streaking and slapping around some good pitchers. In this episode, Ethan D. Mandis and I, Mitch Bannon, break down the offensive breakouts of some key Toronto hitters and discuss the injury to starter Hunjin Ryu and how the Blue Jays can replace him. Feel free to rate and review wherever you're listening to this podcast, and thanks as always for listening to this episode of the Inside the Blue Jays podcast. Mitch, last time we were here recording, uh, Toronto had just finished its series against St. Louis, and there were some signs. Um, the writing was just starting to get on the wall, and we saw Danny Jansen pick up uh, a two-home run game. We were talking, could this be the start of something for the offense? And spoiler alert, it was. It was something. It's been something. Um, we're recording today on Thursday, June 2. Um, Toronto's won seven in a row. They're doing it. We, we were right as we predicted all along. <laughs> um, definitely no doom and gloom, no panic, um, yeah. but they're doing it. Uh, the offense has looked awesome. Starting pitching still been good as it's been all year. I think safe to say this is the best the team's looked all season. Yeah, for sure. I think, and especially against not like rollover teams too. the angels and white Sox are teams that have similar playoff aspirations to the Jays. And the Jays have kind of rolled over them in the last seven games. I think it's something like if you include the game before our last podcast, that last Cardinals game, the Jays have 48 runs in their last seven games during this win streak. You have to go back to the 15 or 16 games before that to find their other 48 runs. They had like three combined runs in the five games before this win streak started. They just were not scoring. And now they're scoring. Uh, I think they're a really good overs team now, if you are a better. And that kind of leads us into our sponsor that we're going to shout out. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments for the NBA playoffs, Major League Baseball, fights, and NFL futures. Bet Online is your continued source for all sports wagering needs, including live betting and the fan favorite Vegas casino and poker games. Uh, it's really easy to get started if you want to sign up. Head over to the website, use your mobile device, uh, and sign up using our promo code. It's Believe, B-L-E-A-V. And with that, you receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Uh, they are a good overs team. They're scoring a lot of runs, but they're also a good winning baseball team. Uh, I think they're if they're going to play like this, this is what we thought. Everything's kind of coming together. And we thought it might start with Bo and Vlad kind of really getting it going, getting hot. George Springer, maybe getting hot. Santiago Espinal, maybe taking his game to even another level, but no, it started with another guy. Have you, what do you think about what Danny Jansen's been doing over the last week or two? It's crazy. And um, I guess it's been long awaited. Let's say that. I mean, excuse me. Danny Jansen has been uh, a guy who was touted as a bat first catcher in the minors and He came up in 2018 and he looked the part and then we kind of haven't seen it since then. You know, there's been flashes and there's certainly been power, but never to this magnitude. Um, Jensen has seven home runs this season. He's played just 16 games. If I'm not mistaken, he's got He's easily in the top three in team home runs. Um, So he's, he's got seven home runs on 13 hits. Yeah. He's he's tied with Bo for third on the team in home runs got a 70 home run pace on 162 games it's wild i mean he's slugging almost 800 
Um, and he's a catcher too, right? I mean, you and I always, when we look at, you know, catcher OPS, or we go look at a catcher slash line and we look at the OPS plus, we're like, okay, you know, like 80, 85, like that's pretty good for a catcher, right? You don't expect much um, from that position on offense. And he has been just phenomenal. And we've played with the the sliders and, and, the, and the filters. And if you go back, you know, to the all-star break last year or, you know, September of last year to now, and you set the filter for a minimum of 100 plate appearances because Jansen has missed some time. You know, he's top five, top three in the league in OPS, depending on how you modify it. It's like Mike Trout, Juan Soto, Danny Jansen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, he's been awesome. And it's, I don't know, it, it's not so, you know, when, when you, because I've been curious about this and, and I had put out a story for Yahoo Sports recently on it. But like when you go and try to dissect a guy's hot streak, um, you know, you can talk to hitting coaches and it can be a tactical conversation, you know, like your conversation with Hunter Mentz on um, on Matt Chapman. You know, there's there's things they're looking at. There's um, the ball plane, his swing plane, having kind of a, a flatter swing with Jansen. It's just no, I'm I'm clearing my head and I'm, I'm going out and ripping. And, you know, he's he's talked in the past about wanting to pull the ball more. When I spoke to him, it wasn't necessarily, you know, I'm, I'm going to, to pull the ball. It's like I'm, I'm going up there to get the bat head out. I'm going to be aggressive. And because my strength is pulling the ball, if that happens, then that's a good thing. And so similar to the way Rymel Tapia talks about being free in the box, doing what you want, I think that's a philosophy of this organization to help guys be freed up and um, to have that freedom. Jansen said the word freedom a bunch of times when we were talking about his swing. Um, so he's looked great. He's always been, um, well-respected as a catcher. So it's nice to see the offense coming around. Um, but the big question is, of course, is how long can this go on for is, is Danny Jansen going to hit 50 home runs this year? Or are we going to, are we going to see a nosedive at some point? It's going to have 65 hits and 50 home runs at the end of the season. I think like there's an inevitable regression. Danny Jansen is not going to be a 1.100 OPS catcher like i i think if jansen ends this season with his current slugging percentage which is 76 760 as his ops that's yeah, a phenomenal yeah, year yeah i, I think agree. you take that that's like 10 to 15 percent above average hitter especially in the modern baseball environment where home runs are harder to hit than ever if you get 25 dingers 760 ops 90 games with danny jansen he's maybe an all-star mm-hmm. and like a really good hitter super valuable asset he doesn't have to do what he's doing right now it's great because the offense was struggling and they really needed a, an igniter and he could be that uh, and has been that for the last week or two, but he's allowed to regress. He's allowed to have a couple bad weeks. He might go on the IL again. It's been kind of the Janie Jansen story where he's missed yeah. time. What makes it great is they have another guy, Alejandro Kirk, who's been just yeah. as good. He can step in behind him. Uh, but yeah, I think there's some inevitable regression. He's mashing fastballs right now. I, I think he's, Hitting 375 against fastballs. He's hitting 133 against breaking balls. That my very amateur scout or amateur baseball analyst Guys says pick up on that. Pitchers should probably yeah. start pitching more breaking balls yeah. to him. Uh, and especially like he still has that low away hole in his swing. Uh, he's never really going to be the guy that goes down and gets that ball. I think he's going to just take strikes there because he knows that's not the pitches he can hit. Mm-hmm. And so if guys are good enough to fill the zone in that quadrant, He's going to start striking up more, going to start looking at more strikes. But he's the type of guy we've talked to him. He has this run into it power. And so he's just got to wait for his pitch. He can strike out a lot. 
Mm-hmm. He, he can take his walks and strikeouts and just wait for people to miss inside and then punish them and be a really good MLB catcher. Mm-hmm. I, I think so. I think for me, the biggest part was Jano had a, a really good start. And I think he played just two, two or three games. Sorry, he played the Texas series, you know, two home runs, looked awesome. Um, and then he went injured. He went down on the injured list. And the thought initially is, you know, that extended amount of time that he missed, that can totally disrupt your rhythm. Right. And he came back and almost instantly was hitting home runs at the same pace he was before. I mean, that alone is super encouraging. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that's super, super big. And you talked about Kirk, you know, now being able to stretch out that lineup. You know, you can put Jansen in the eight hole and, you know, if, if he yeah. hits, yeah, if he's going to hit home runs, that's awesome. And then, and then you have Alejandro Kirk at the top of his game. Um, it's not the case right now where, you know, Jansen's struggling and you're like, ah, oh, okay, well, you know, maybe we'll rotate the DH with somebody else. So Kirk has to catch. Um, now you like Kirk can be kind of lock himself into that DH spot. Um, when Jansen is catching, I mean, we'll see how they, they handle Kirk now without a third catcher on the roster, because, you know, there are going to be some days where he will have to catch. And if he's been DHing, you know, the last five games in a row, he's probably not going to have the same energy that he would, if you got a rest day. So we'll see how they mix mm-hmm. that up. Um, yeah. But with Jansen, like I said, a long time coming, I talked to Jordan Romano yesterday um, or two days ago. And he said in the minors, Jansen was one of the best hitters he'd ever seen at the minor league level. Wow. And I mean, there's no, well, there, <laughs> there probably are awards for minor league hitters, but um, not to the, scale that there are in the majors and so that there's there's not a ton of honor in being the best hitter in the minor leagues right you're the best hitter in the minor leagues your award is getting promoted to the yeah major exactly <laughs> that's the most important award um so it's it's been a journey for jansen in his fifth season now i believe um glad glad uh for his sake that he's he's sorting it out and i'm sure the the blue jays are very happy too but it's not all happy news no, because the other half of that Jansen battery uh, with Hunjin Ryu is had a uh, a rather disappointing development. Mitch, you covered the game yesterday. What happened? Yeah, I think it was before the start. Everyone kind of knew Hunjin Ryu was per the team removed from his previous outing with what they called the left elbow tightness. And anytime you have a pitcher. And the word elbow is mentioned, never a good thing. Mm-hmm. It's you never want to be talking about a pitcher's elbow. It's the last thing you want to be hearing. Uh, this is a guy Ryu who's missed some time with big injuries before. He missed a month earlier this year with left forearm tightness. But they claimed he was fine. He he was good to go for this start. Uh, and then it was kind of weird though, because last start he left after five innings. They claimed he left with left elbow tightness, but that was the five innings we probably thought he would throw. So yeah. it wasn't, it was almost a surprise that the injury was there. It got kind of buried, right? The injury almost. Cause it's like, okay, Ryu did his five, like, you know, whatever. Okay. He's a little sore. You know, pitchers are probably always sore after yeah, a start exactly. anyways, but it turned out to be something more, right? Yeah, exactly. And then, so this start four innings, he looks okay. The velocity is way down. That's a big red flag, especially for a guy like Ryu. And then we find out after he leaves the game after four innings, another, it could, could not have been an injury. He could have just left after four innings, but then we find out he's left to start again with left forearm uh, tightness, I believe was what they called it. That That's three starts in a row. The third time this year we've heard this. 
big warning flags go up. And then we talked to Hyunjin after the game and the warning flags get even higher. He's kind of not in a good mood. He seems very solemn. He just passed his thousandth MLB inning. Not really interested in talking about that milestone. He says the injury felt not really like last start where he left, but more like earlier in the season when he had to go on the IL for a month. So we're still waiting for imaging. He is getting it looked out, uh, looked at with MRIs to figure out the extent of the injury, what the injury is. But as things currently sit, not super optimistic about what's going to happen to Hunter Ryu in the next few days. Yeah, it's kind of a, a somber feeling. Um, I think there's just a general feeling that this is going to be a, a, it has the possibility of being a serious injury. Now, by the time you folks are listening to this, you may have more info, but um, Ryu was talking to the media on Wednesday night. He had a big rap on his, on his left elbow Um, again, not in a good spirits. And then there was something interesting about um, regret, right. That, that you picked up on. Uh, We're not sure if this is a, a translation thing, but it's probably something worth mentioning. Yes. Yeah, just for a quick look behind the curtain, how Ryu does his post-game media availabilities, how how many of the players, the non-English speaking players do, so they come kind of come to a backdrop with their translator or their interpreter. Hunjins is, is a gentleman named JS, and then he takes English questions, then afterwards he takes questions in Korean, and those are um, translated to us as well. We get the question and Hunjins answer. Uh, both translated from Korean. And the one of the last questions he answered was translated to us as, uh, do you regret making this start? Uh, and the context was he, he left last start, they were kind of monitoring him, and then he leaves this start again with an injury. Uh, and his answer was, and this is, we're getting both the question and the answer through an interpreter. So I, I think a reason this wasn't made a bigger deal is just because of the uncertainty about the translation and not wanting to focus too much on any one word. Mm-hmm. But he was asked if he regrets making the start. And he said, not going into the start, but after going through those innings, I do kind of regret making the start today. And that's not something you want to hear as a Blue Jays fan, not something you want to hear as anyone who's uh, hopeful about what Hyunjin Ryu will do in the near future for this team. Uh, Ultimately, it's going to come down to what the MRI says. Uh, you, you can't really feel the significance of a poll too much. You, you're going to not know until we get that imaging back. But yeah, it, it was very somber for you. And that was kind of a, a quote that stuck out uh, and, and really raised my alarm bells. Yeah. And an experienced, not just MLB veteran, but a baseball veteran in Ryu. Um, I'm sure, you know, he understands a thing or two about um, reflection, self-reflection and, you know, dwelling too much on the past, maybe as a bad start, stuff like that. But when, you know, if he's starting to talk about regret, you know, maybe younger guys are like, Oh, I wish I should have thrown this pitch. They don't understand the ebbs and flows of the game. But if Ryu is saying, Hey, yeah, you know, I'm a 35 year old. I, I know when I, I should pitch and I shouldn't, if this is something that he regretted um, that's, that's obviously disappointing for him. It's disappointing for Toronto. Um. But there could be, well, first of all, with, with Ryu at 35, you know, if this is a, a serious injury, you know, that could be it for him, right? I don't, I don't know if Ryu has, you know, a Tommy John rehab left in him. Yeah, um, you never want to, like, say the TJ word until we know for sure. But I, I think right now you're kind of hoping that it's similar to what he had earlier this year, where he, he takes a few weeks off, makes a rehab start or two, and is back. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's the best-case scenario – he, all of the worries for nothing and he's just somehow fine yeah um 
maybe the more realistic best case scenario is that month on the injured list, which the Blue Jays can stomach. And we'll talk yeah. about that in a minute. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's he's at the point in his career, the contract situation where you definitely don't want to be having that, that big yeah. injury. Yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a trooper for gutting it out because he's obviously been in pain. And then you got to wonder, like, maybe Ryu sacrifices, you know, years down the road, if he really wants to pitch through something, or maybe he has been pitching through something, you know, the last year and a half where we've seen some of the struggles. Mm -hmm. Um, So you never know, again, by the time you guys are listening, maybe there will be more. Um, We'll find out uh, today on Thursday, what's, what's going on, how the MRI went. Um, But pushing it forward, um, this has already happened once. Ryu's gone down on the injured list. So Ross Stripling stepped up pretty nicely. Um, He's been, Solid out of the bullpen. We saw him pick up, uh, was that his first career save? No, was, I, I looked at that. I believe it was his fourth or fifth career okay. save. Uh, first as a Blue Jay, I believe. I can look at it right here. No, second as a Blue Jay. Look hey, at this, hey. this guy's late inning reliever, Ross Stripling. 2020 Ross Stripling. Um, it was the first time you'd pitched on back-to-back days. In how did he feel after that? that? He, he said he felt great. He said pitching three pitches the days before kind of helped. But yeah. Yeah, I think it's not something that Ross Stripling wants to be doing no, too often. It's funny. Well, he's, he's a keener. He'll... Uh, He'll definitely give give you some in, insight on uh, on how he's feeling and what that mentally was like. But yeah, now <laughs> the perpetual swingman back and forth. He'll be back as a starter um, soon enough. I mean, this is assuming Ryu goes on the injured list, but I mean, I think it's pretty safe to say that this is a this is a serious injury um, that or or at least an injury that will require more than just you know a missed start or two. Um, so yeah, there's stripling again. I don't know. I. If I'm a Jays fan, I'm pretty comfortable with him as the fifth starter, right? Yeah, I think Stripling's been fine out of the bullpen this year. He's, like, logging the innings. He's never going to be a guy you blame for win or loss just because when he's coming in, it's like, hey, our starter's gone three innings. We need you to go three. We don't Mm -hmm. really care how it goes. Obviously, we prefer it to be good. But he's, like, last year's kryptonite was Boston. They really shelled him around. And he pitched five innings, one run, seven strikeouts, no walks against Boston earlier this year. He's been Mm -hmm. super solid reliable four or five inning guy in that fifth starter role. He's like a very, when he's in the rotation, he's a very stereotypical traditional fifth starter. Mm-hmm. He's not going to give you the quality start. He's not going to go seven innings, but he can eat four or five, be reliable, make his pitches, be really good against specific kinds of lineups. And I think that's exactly what the Jays would need, especially if it's like a month long injury, you need four or five starts from Ross Stripling. He can step in and do that. And that's why Ross Stripling is on this roster. He's not on the roster to be the long reliever. He's the safety net. He's the mm-hmm. next man up. He's the guy who is so comfortable to do all of those roles that you love stashing him in the back of the bullpen and break glass in case of emergency. Yep. And it's, it's why he's on this team. It's built-in insurance, and it's insurance they will call on many times this year, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But with Stripling moving to the rotation, you know, that – that frees up a long man potential, a potential long man role in the bullpen. And, and for, in that sense, the timing is, is, I guess, ideal. Um, Nate Pearson is supposed to start today. Is it Thursday? I, or, I believe he's not starting, but yeah, he will oh, make an, appearance. he'll make an appearance. Correct. Right. He's not the starting pitcher in Buffalo's uh, game on Thursday, but he's going to make an appearance. Boy, oh boy. It's been a long road back for him. Uh, he's been, he obviously had, uh, he had mono, he had some fatigue. I'm assuming there was a setback there because he has been out for a long time. Uh, he's been rehabbing in Dunedin. 
He's thrown live batting practice. He played in he played in some Dunedin games. He made appearance in one. Yeah. I believe he reached three pitches in a Dunedin game before. Yeah. He up. So they they've always been um, clear. Toronto's been clear that they want him to pitch in AAA first. Um, he's still stretched out, or they're in the process of stretching him out. Now I suppose it depends whether he comes in as a starter opener or bullpen. Him and Stripling flip flop back and forth, but I think it's safe to say that he's going to start in the bullpen initially um, with <laughs> we've never really gotten a clear answer kind of on how he's going to be used. You know, we, we've heard bulk bulky role. We've um, heard that he's been stretched out of course. Um, it, but it's difficult to get, get a guy, you know, consistent innings and keep him stretched out when he is pitching out of the bullpen. I mean, you can't throw a guy exclusively in blowouts and just say, okay, you know what? We're down seven, one, you know, you, the next three innings are yours, right? Um, this is a team that's competing and Pearson does have a role to play. Um, but just before the podcast, we were kind of talking about, you know, do you do what you did in September of last year and just say, you know what, Nate, throw a hundred, throw your slider. You know, you're going to, you're going to be the shutdown man. You're going to be the nasty man in the, in the seven, eight uh, innings, uh, the seventh and eighth innings. But like you mentioned, as you calmly rationalize my uh, ridiculous ideas uh, that you can just do that whenever, right. You know, it's still, it's still June. Right. And, and if you feel at the end of the season or even for playoffs that Nate can make that transition, which he did last year and he did quite well, actually. Um, then you save it for that. And so I, I guess I suppose I understand the, uh, the gradual buildup, but definitely excited for Nate Pearson because this bullpen needs a little bit more nastiness. Yeah, exactly. Nasty Nate, Adam, the bullpen. <laughs> uh, I, I think, yeah, like, like you kind of said, the fallback option is always going to be there. You can always pitch Nate Pearson one inning in this bullpen. Mm-hmm. I, like, as I kind of said, Ross Stripling has been the fallback reliever his entire career. He's made a 10-year career out of basically, hey, we'll put you in the rotation, but we'll, if, we, if we don't need you, you can go to the bullpen. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying Nate Pearson is going to have the Ross Stripling career path. Uh, it's been, uh, very different pitchers. One throws 100, one throws 91. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think Nate is a guy who you maybe want to get him up to 40, 50 pitches in AAA right now. I don't yeah. think you're waiting for him to be throwing 85, 90 pitches in mm-hmm. AAA before he gets up to this. Uh, major league team especially if he's effective obviously he's got to be first and foremost has to be healthy and effective yeah, that's, let's start there <laughs> that's priority number one but i think once he reaches for 40 50 pitches especially I, you don't want to read too much into one triple a assignment but he is not the starter in triple a right now yeah they're they're not building him up as a starter at least right now they're building him up in that long man bullpen role they're having him prepare in AAA to come out of a bullpen and just adding one and one to get two together that means they're probably going to want him to do the same thing at the major league level so yeah it is the constant battle between uh stretching a guy out how much do you stretch him out how do you keep him stretched out but i think once he reaches 30 40 50 innings we're going to see Nate Pearson up in this bullpen immediately. Trent Thornton can hold down the fort mm-hmm. on the long man role for now. But yeah, if you can get a multi-inning, even like two innings, if he pitches four innings every seven days for you or something like that, five innings every seven days, and uh, he pitches one inning, pitches two, pitches two a couple yeah. days later, 
that's just so effective and will be so useful. That's a guy they just don't have right now because Ross Stripling's not doing that. He's not coming in yeah, he's as not a multi-inning multi, yeah. leverage reliever. Which is what Pearson we definitely thought he he would be. I did, maybe he just, his stuff just doesn't lend itself well enough. Yeah, You know, when he doesn't have his starters warm up, maybe, you know, he's not, not to say he's not as locked in, but it's just, it's just not as effective. Um, mm-hmm. And we've seen, you know, Toronto try to stretch Trevor Richards, you know, get four outs, David Phelps, get four outs. Um, I don't think those guys are built to do that at this point. Um, so yeah, Nate will definitely make a big difference. Um, in terms of replacing, replacing Ryu or just holding down the fort till he's gone, we'll go on this quickly because um, it's still early in the season, but there's the possibility of trade, of course. Hmm. Um, you and I haven't really checked much into the precedent of, you know, what type of pitcher gets traded, you know, on June 2nd or what it takes to acquire such a pitcher. Um, teams are still obviously figuring out if they're competing or not, and no one really wants to sell as we get closer to the deadline. But there's always the possibility. There's always a chance of that. Oh, always. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And am I saying Toronto's going to go and trade for Frankie Montes right now? Um, yes, yes, I am. Yes. Book it. No, of course, I'm I'm just kidding. Though, you know, Montes may become an option later once we get closer to the deadline. But um, I don't know. Toronto, it would be exciting. And you know how valuable starting pitching depth can be as you get closer to the playoffs. But I don't know, Mitch, do you get the sense that a trade could be beneficial to Toronto at this point in, in the starting rotation? I don't think so. I think if you do that, it's a deadline move just because the rest of the rotation is so strong that like realistically at the end of the day, what are you trying to get that you couldn't get from Ross Stripling? Like if mm-hmm. you're trying to get a fifth elite starter, sure, go to get him. But then you run into the issue when you're in playoff time and you have five guys who are expecting to start in the postseason. And yeah, obviously that's looking way down the line and not something teams are going to worry about. If you have five good starters, not really a concern, but I don't know if it's great asset management to be trading mm. for what would be a SP two to fill your SP five void. Like yeah. you got a guy in house, like we're all, you have Ross Stripling on this team to fill that void. Mm-hmm. And maybe, you know, you backfill Nate Pearson, the long reliever role. He's really good in that two, three inning role for three months. And then you're like, yeah. hey, Nate, we're going to give you another shot here. Let's, yeah. let's see in what August, you do in this September. role. Ross Stripling struggles for a couple of weeks. Ross Stripling then goes down with an injury. You, I think there's more upside potential in finding out what you have from Pearson there than maybe going out and getting a Montes. If there's another injury, I mm-hmm. think then it really changes the calculus. Yeah. Then you're, you're trading for a guy you're expecting to get playoff starts out of. And yeah. then you can really go in on a Montes or, or someone like that. In the meantime, I'd be a little hesitant. I think it's super fun. And like, if they do it, then they're really going all in. Yeah. And this front office is definitely all in. So maybe they don't do go and do that. And they really love their pitching depth. They're, they're not going to shy away from getting a bunch of good starters. Mm -hmm. I, my armchair GM wouldn't do it, but it would be really fun if they did. Yeah. You mentioned the, the four pitchers for the playoffs. And it's interesting because Kevin Gosman reminded me of that the other day. Um, and talking about just kind of like how nasty this rotation is. And like at, at this point, you know, who knows what, what will happen to Ryu, but it would be, you know, it would be Jose Barrios, it would be Gosman, it would be Alec Manoa and, and Kikuchi, I think, just how, how nasty he is. He could also give you something out of the bullpen probably. Um, but, you know, maybe, yeah, one injury away, I think that's maybe when they start pursuing. But like 
the way Jose Barrios has been pitching, you know, let's say this is the full season for Barrios. You know, he's a five ERA guy or he's a high fours ERA. You know, is he part of your playoff rotation? I mean, I guess that again will be another calculus that Toronto has to consider once they get to closer to the deadline. You know, if Jose is still really struggling, then maybe they're going to want to, you know, boost up the rotation a little bit. Um, But yeah. Okay. You, you've you've partially sold me. I'm I'm ever curious and ever chaotic. So I do maybe. think they will make a trade for a starter at some point. This Just season. not right yeah. now. Yeah, I, I think at the deadline, like they're positioned to be the type of team that goes out and trades for the this year's Tyler Anderson, the guy who's yeah, an overperforming SP four five who you know can be a swing man, and you're like, okay, this is the if we have another injury. We can't go out and get a guy after the trade deadline. So we get this guy now as a mm. just-in-case. That's what really good baseball teams do. They trade for uh, a guy who would be a starter on any other team, and then they don't use him as a starter because if they have an injury, then they have the internal depth. Yeah. Just popped into my head. Uh, who cleared waivers recently was Dallas Keuchel. Yeah, I think he's going to want an opportunity is the issue. I, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't suppose. think – like, what does he bring that roster playing doesn't? I think Dallas He's basically Keuchel, Ryu, right? At this point, yeah, exactly. very similar guys. I, I think he's think, more of a ground ball guy than, than Ryu. I is. think he's a bit of a fly ball. I think is they're he? actually very similar pitchers. It's a good comp. I think Boston makes a lot of sense for him. I think, the, like, obviously, I thought the White Sox just like 13 that needs pitching. Like, they're the type of team that should be signing Dallas Keiko, not releasing him. But yeah. what do I know? I think there's just going to be better opportunities. Yeah, I guess. Go to a team where, you know, he has a rotation spot. Um, Dallas Keuchel ain't giving you anything out of the bullpen, so you don't want him. Not any more than Ryu gives you. Um, the last thing we'll we'll bookend uh, tr- with Toronto's hot start. Lots of guys are hitting more. We talked about Jansen. We talked about Kirk, but Teoscar Hernandez looks like he's turning a corner. Uh, what have you seen from him lately? Yeah, I think the doubles off the wall have been very encouraging. Like it that was, will encourage you. Yeah, yeah, true. That's what you want out of your baseball players. Um, it was really befuddling to his struggles because like he comes back from the injury and you're like okay his timing's not there and then it's three weeks four weeks later and you're like okay we can't blame the timing anymore this guy's got almost 100 plate appearances on the season but then almost like a light switch overnight it turned around Uh, right when we stopped kind of having him as the the biggest concern because everyone else started hitting tail just started hitting i think maybe he needs to be kind of a cog in that lineup machine where he can just do go up, do his job, drive in RBIs. And that's what he's been doing the last week. He's got a, a nearly 1.200 OPS over the last five games. Obviously, crazy small sample size, but it's more how he's getting to those numbers. He just missed two home runs in back-to-back games. He's got, I think, three doubles in his last two games. He's hitting the ball really, really hard. He's taking his walks. When he was struggling, it was a lot of strikeout and mm-hmm. not a lot of competitive takes. And that's kind of gone away in the last week. I think both numbers and how he's getting those numbers have been super encouraging by Teo. And then you look after him. If you're going Teo, Kirk, Lourdes, Matt Chapman, three of those four at any given time are really, really raking. The guys ahead of them in the lineup are going to be raking, and that's how you get to what we were hoping and knew this Blue Jays lineup could be. Mm-hmm. There's just a sense in the clubhouse that things are are looking up, and they have been for a while, but you know, you're seeing that Teoscar smile back again, that he's he's not frustrated. Um, he's not in the clubhouse signing, uh, what was he doing the other day, signing, uh, baseball cards. And he was just ripping yeah, he, through those. I think his schedule for like a little bit was, there was like 
signed baseball cards go to the trainer's room before the game. Like he's, yeah, you come back from the injury list and you're fine. But with an injury like the oblique injury, I think it's something you really monitor closely yeah. for a few weeks after. So maybe this is just him really coming out of that. Freedom. He's not worried about that. Yeah, maybe exactly. he's freed up, which has <laughs> been the keyword for hitters this year. Um, yeah. So Teoscar's he's coming around. The whole lineup's kind of coming around. And the next time we'll be talking to you guys will be next week. Toronto has a, uh, a set with the Twins this weekend, and um, then they're in Kansas City, and then I believe it's Milwaukee. Detroit. Kansas oh, City, Detroit. Detroit, Milwaukee's the, the weekend after. Right, we're going to be in Detroit. Yeah. So we'll be in Detroit. We'll, uh, we'll have a podcast for you guys just before we go. Um, yeah, so maybe the next time we're talking to our listeners, the win streak will be at... Yeah, what well, would that be? Quick math. Uh-oh. 15, 13. 7, 7 plus 3 that's 10. 17 games. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be a 17 no, game 18 games because today is 18 <laughs> games. Shows us shows you uh, how good our math is here. Um, but yeah, it's it's been a great stretch and um, 18 games. You heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> Guaranteed. Yeah, Mitch guarantees it. Ethan uh, guarantees that wasn't me. All right. <laughs> thanks. Uh, thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Inside the Blue Jays podcast. Mm-hmm.